I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Thursday, May 28, 2020. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. What jumps off the page at us today? What do we have to talk about? We're going to talk about two sides of the tape. We're going to talk about the bull case. We're also going to talk about the bear case. We're going to talk about some important numbers. We'll sprinkle on some intraday activity. We're going to drill down and look at a variety of charts a variety of markets to try and give us the best possible illustration of what the next likely scenario is for the market. First thing let's do is take a 30,000 foot view of the SPY daily chart. Did anything happen today? Besides going up and back down, at the end of the day, in terms of the closing price, did anything happen? Bottom line, the SPX cash index was down about six points today. So the S&P 500 was down six points. That's the bottom line. Yesterday's close in the SPY, and we'll get the number, closing price, 303.53. Today's closing price, 303.07. It's not quite six points. When you run out the math, it's close enough. Does it mean anything? That's really what we're after here today. And the answer is, not really. The market went up a little bit, tried to break out more to the upside, came back near yesterday's close. However, Here's the most important thing. This is one of the things that really jumps off the page at me. Where did it close as it relates to 302.46? First, what's the importance of 302.46? It's a gap that was filled yesterday and closed above yesterday. So what did they do this afternoon? Late in the day, they had a sell-off. What did they do? They came back down to run a test of that same spot. They closed above. That's bullish on its face. Here it is, just looking at a 10-minute chart, for example, 302.46 running across the screen. The market sells off the majority of the afternoon, coming into what? 302.46, a couple of pennies below, close the day above. So here's a question. Did the market collapse in the afternoon, or did they go down to run a test of an area they just broke out above yesterday, 302.46, representing the gap? It's all a matter of perspective. How do you want to approach the market? How do you want to look at the market? You want to look at fundamental analysis? You want to look at price-to-earnings ratio of the average of the S&P? Or do you want to look at numbers and charts and patterns, price movement, and probability? I'll take plan B. Anybody that wants to take plan A, I wish you well. Let's do another one, putting things in perspective. Here's an hourly chart. I just want you to follow me. Doesn't mean we know or don't know what's happening on Friday. I just want you to follow the concept. The market gaps up or goes up and it pulls back. Gaps up or goes up, pulls back. Gaps up, pulls way back. Looks like it's going to collapse. Rescue operation, back to business. Gaps up, pulls back. Gaps up, pulls back. Market goes up, gaps up, pulls back. Is anything different than what's been going on happening? No. Does that mean we know or don't know what the market's going to do on Friday? No, we don't. What do we have? We have guidelines. The night before, we can put some guidelines in place not knowing where price is going to be when we wake up in the morning. 
Inside the numbers members have a different type of advantage because I'm looking at the market all night and all morning long and then by the time we show up in uniform ready to go, we've already got a beat on where the intraday important numbers are, sets up a trade or two. Let's talk bear case for a moment. Is it out of the ordinary for them to run a test of, once again, the fat number of 300 in the SPY, 3000 in the ES contract? We put it on the board, put it on the chart, it's in blue. It's a give or take. 300 is an important number. However, it's important for two reasons. Number one, it's a psychological big fat round number, 300. So let's say they got there real quick in the morning. Do you think that we would find some stability or at least some defense going on by the bulls in and around 300? And the answer is, yes we would under normal garden variety market conditions. What would happen if the market opened below 300 Friday morning? That's bad for the bulls. That's a negative sign for the market. That's trouble lurking ahead. Under that scenario, nine times out of 10, what they do is, depending on where they open it, unless they open significantly below 300, let's say they opened up a point, point and a half below 300. What would traditionally happen is if the market's really weak, they would try and rally it back. They would go back up to 300. We would find overhead resistance. Bunch of sellers would show up and they would drive the market down and they would hit it again. That would be known as sell the early rip. As opposed to what happened this morning, which was buy the early dip. We'll get to that later. Let's finish up what's going on in the daily chart, and then we'll zoom in on some intraday stuff. 300's a bogey. It's a line in the sand. Much below 300 on Friday, and there's trouble ahead. Running a test of 300 could be considered normal garden variety market behavior. Let's say for argument's sake, they ran a test of 300, and then later in the day, or right thereafter, you found the market kind of right back where it is now, or even higher, meaning above the gap at 302.46. How do you read that? That's bullish. Write that down. Put it on a sticky note. What happens if, for the bear case, they ran a test at 300, and they stayed down there? They hung around 300. They hung around below 300. They started closing hourly below 300. How do you read that? That's bearish. Write that down. Put it on a sticky note. So with all that being said, you have somewhat of a little bit of a schematic leading into Friday. Bull case, price above where we are now, stays above 302.46. Nothing wrong with the market. That's the bull case. Let's get down to some inside the number business. I'm going to let you read all the notes for yourself. couple of things I want to point out. Half the day was real, real quiet. They hit him into the close. But let's focus for now on the early morning activity. Market was up overnight, came back to the flat line. We have something to work with. We have an overnight high. We have an overnight low. 30.28 was the overnight low. ES 30.53 was the overnight high. That's what we have to work with as we show up to the locker room in uniform, ready to go. We're not even out in the field yet. This is the pre-market activity, pre-market morning notes, we already have what bookends we have to work with. All right, let's move it along real quick. Early thoughts. The expectation is the buy the dip crowd is going to show up if they have the early shakeout operation. You see the second line down. As usual, we'll let them conduct the early morning shakeout, get the lay of the land, and go. The expectation would be for the buy the dip crowd to show up. 
remember the overnight lows if they drop them. This is posted before the opening bell. Just to get the lay of the land, everything to the right of the vertical trend line is today's activity. They open the market, opening print was 304.65. They leave a gap from yesterday's closing price, which is basically right around the same spot as the overnight low. Funny how that works. We've never seen that before. It's almost like they think I don't see it. There you go up a little bit, 9.35, the aforementioned shakeout is underway. Already we have a twinge of bullishness. Let's move it along, see what else is up. 9.40, right out of the gate, showtime for the bulls. Around the overnight low is where the buyers need to emerge, getting much below and closing candles below. The gap is good for the bears, not for the bulls. We know that story, we know that scenario, that's not new information. By 9.43, and there's the initial bounce from the overnight lows. And then they start going from there. We cite some important numbers, 304.25. They need to get above and they need to start closing candles above 304.25. That's posted at 9.52 a.m. As you can see, they spent some time long past 9.52 a.m. until they were able to get up and above and start closing consistently above 304.25. Let's continue moving along. Certain numbers, certain types of situations are more important to some traders versus others. Some traders enjoy a little scalp trade that looks like a little trade to some traders. Maybe it's three, four, five points. Some traders don't want to have anything to do with that. Other traders want two or three of those and they want to go about their business for the rest of the day. Each trader has different objectives. Therefore, depending on what you see in the commentary may be important or less important to you depending on what type of trader you are, what type of information you're looking for. But I assure you, in here, there's something for everybody. Just depends on the day, depends on what's going on. Let's continue scrolling along so you can see exactly what was going on. What's important to see is, where was the resistance going to come into play? The market started to rally, and we need to know where the resistance is. Traders that are long need to understand where to exit trades. Where's the market really going to run into overhead resistance? When it does, it never looks like it's going to. As it moves higher, it gives you the impression it's going to keep going. So you can see the 1045 post. Around 306 to 306.50, that's the zone and the upside objective for today. And there is your 306.50. 1045 post, 306.50, objective reached. 105 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You know what's coming next. How do you like Dem Apples? What else we got? Let's continue scrolling along, and then you're going to see something that'll make sense based on what happened earlier in the day. You kind of catch where the low's going to be. You catch where the first resistance is going to be, and then you catch where the objective is going to be. That's a day where you have to say, know when to fold them. And you'll see that posted within the 108 post, right smack in the middle, know when to fold them. So from that point forward, I really have one eye on the market. I'm doing other stuff. I'm not going to push my luck. You have to know when to fold them. Let's take a look at stocks on the move today. We'll look at the good, the bad, and the ugly. We do have an ugly on the board. It happens. We're not going to win every trade. Newsflash. We'll take a look at save momo flr and then last but not least which was the loser hpq let's do a debrief on hpq we'll start with the loser 
1553 was the suggested entry. The number was wrong. Remember I say there's really only two options. They either go to the number, hang around for a cup of coffee, go back in the other direction is the second option. There's not a third option because the third option is I got the number wrong. This was one of those I got the number wrong. The stop was 1535 on an hourly close. Here's 1030, close is 1507, see you later, that's the end of the trade. You chalk it up to, it didn't work, and you move along. How about save? This was one of those standard operating procedure trades. Pretty neat. You can see where it closed the prior day, which was yesterday, 1388. Issued a haircut at the open. 1298 was the number on the board. What was low of day over here, low of morning, 1295. You can see what happened. Immediately finds stability, turns around, and goes back in the other direction. This was a classic case of save was headed for an early destination, and that was it. Turned around, went back in the other direction. What happened later in the day when it comes back down, that doesn't matter. Nobody cares about that. The trade is over. It went up to 13.67. Let's just say 65 to 70 cents on a $13 stock. I'm telling you, the trade is over. Doesn't matter whether you do new math or old math. It's about 5%. About Momo, another standard operating procedure trade. Let's go over this one. So here's the closing price, 21.13. Haircut slash buzz cut at the open, 20.04 posted on the board, bright and early. In uniform, you remember. Now I want to go over something else too because I get a lot of emails about stops. For some reason, a lot of traders don't understand the concept of an hourly close. I'll do this again. The stops are selected with TLC, tender loving care. They're at a specific place where the stock shouldn't be closing hourly below, otherwise the whole darn thing was wrong. Case in point, the stop listed for Momo today was 1982. So you'll notice a couple of things. The entry is not far from the stop, so in this case, it's a nice, juicy, close-to-stop, close-to-risk opportunity. What was the low here? The low was 1970. Where was the hourly close? All the way at 10.30, the hour closes at 20.04. Accident or coincidence? I think neither. The numbers are the numbers. What happened right at the hour close, right after the hour closed? The rocket ride. You'll notice the low was 1970, the stop was 1982. I'm not saying they were the same number. What I'm saying is the stock was in a general area where they were simply running a test. I know it looks like a falling knife. I know it's hard to believe, but just keep watching. Watch over and over and over again. I put these up every single day. They're all different. They don't look the same from one day to the next, but when you pick it apart and you peel back the onion, what are we doing here? We're picking out numbers that are important and we're getting the trades under our belt. Some are more than others. Some are base hits, others are doubles. Sometimes we get a triple and home run. It's just the way it works. After all, what do you call a stock that runs up 5% in minutes? You call it a base hit, you call it a double, it's in the eye of the beholder. How about FLR, Floor Corp? 1180 was the entry listed on the board bright and early. You can see what happened. The stock comes down and creates a huge breakdown candle. What did it do all morning long? It created a bear flag pattern. What happened after that? It went lower. That's what it was supposed to do. If you were in the trade at 1180, how many opportunities 
did they allow you to get out with a trade? I don't know, about seven or eight? Correction, out with a profit. Not a big one, but a profit nonetheless. So the trade didn't take the rocket ride, but they gave you ample opportunity to get out. Look, just trading 101 for a second. When you see this going on, and it's the whole morning long, there's nobody that's going to stay in this trade. I should qualify that. There should be nobody that stays in this trade saying, hey, I'll bet you they're going to climb up the top of the breakdown candle. When you see this bear flag pattern developing, you're not betting they're going to go to the top of the breakdown candle. You may short the top of the breakdown candle if they got there. Those are two different things. Short hop. What do we see when we take a look at the 120-minute chart of the S&P? What we see is a market that tried to break out, filled the gap, broke out over the gap, now came back down to test a recent breakout area. That's it. Nothing more, nothing less. I know there's plenty of traders out there, certainly ones watching this video tonight, that want to say, today was a top, the market's going to collapse from here on out. I get that. Maybe it will. If we're below some of the numbers we discussed earlier, if they open below the big fat round number and they're trading lower, I'm all happy to play the short side of the market. I don't give a rat's ass which way the market's going if you haven't figured that out by now. I just don't want to be caught with my pants down and a pie in the face at the same time. What's going on down in Camp IWM? Now this one's different. Here, you have a reversal candle. You stayed above the 100 period moving average, so it's not terrible. You filled a gap yesterday, closed above the gap, tried to break out higher today, failed. Is it a one-day wonder, or is it telling us something? We have to take it at face value. It is the duck. It's my favorite market-leading indicator. Today is a reversal candle. What would be the first sign of trouble for the IWM? Closing daily, first hourly, but certainly daily, below 137. Not necessarily a death sentence just yet, but that's the first sign of trouble. What about the folks down at the transportation department? What do they have to say? It's not a reversal candle. It's just a red candle. Yeah, the transports were down 1.5% today, 146 points. That's a big down day. But put it in perspective. Look how much they're up over the last two days. So here's what I'll say. Until and unless they come down and fill this gap here, and the gap is 88.95 and change. Until they fill it and start trading below, closing hourly and then daily below the gap, then there's trouble lurking. Until and unless that happens, they could just be eating time off the clock, going sideways for a while, and ride the 100 period moving average before making another move higher. Flip side is, coming down, filling the gap, staying down there, then that's something different. That's both sides. Be the umpire. What about the folks in Silicon Valley, the Qs? They were up today. So how come they were up, the transports were down, the IWM was down, the S&P was down, it gave up the ghost in the afternoon. Why are the Qs up? Well, first of all, over the last several days or last couple of days, and most of you have seen this, most of you who are paying attention to this kind of stuff have seen this, there's been sector rotation going on. So some money came out of the tech stuff. That's normal garden variety market behavior. But think about what's going on. Forget what's happening from an under the hood perspective. Just take a 30,000 foot view for a second. Where are we on the chart? We're above all the moving averages. That's bullish. It's in an uptrend. That's a period full stop. What's next? Look at it this way. What did they do recently? There's a gap. 
They came up to fill the gap. So what they really did was they gapped up, took them a couple of shots, but they gapped up. And then what they're doing is they're going sideways again, eating more time off the clock. What is this doing? It's setting up another move higher. Maybe the sector rotation, maybe the money flowing out of tech was what they want you to believe as opposed to a bunch of shenanigans. Where does trouble come in for this market? Yesterday's low. That's the bogey for the Qs. Once you get below yesterday's low, you'll be below the 20-period moving average, and you'll fill that gap. That's something different. Until and unless any of that happens, this is just a bunch of nonsense. Back and forth, back and forth, normal garden variety market behavior. 80-20 rule is the duck. The duck says that the Qs are in an uptrend, and until further notice, they're not finished going up. Now, I understand rounded tops. I understand how tops are put in. In the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader, we talk about tops. We talk about bottoms. We talk about signs and signal of a trend change. We don't have anything like that going on here. Maybe they're making a rounding top. Is that possible? Can they come back down like that? Absolutely. Do we have to worry about that until they're below yesterday's low and the 20-period moving average? No, we don't. But if they come down, then we won't have the best price and we won't have made the top or picked the top. That's right. How many times do you want to try and pick a top and be wrong as opposed to taking a trade when you think, have a feeling, have a suspicion, have pretty good information that the 80-20 rule is on your side? Unless you have the 80-20 rule on your side, don't take the trade. If I started seeing hourly closes below yesterday's low... There's an 80% probability you're going to see lower prices. You're going to see a daily close below there. Not a lot of good stuff would be going on at the time. But what happens if I guess from here that they're going to go down and then they don't. They go up like they do most of the time. Then I have another pie in the face. No thanks. By the way, let's qualify something. Let's take a little bit of a detour for 30 seconds and qualify something. The market's headed to a destination. Once it gets to the destination, it's going to create a whopper of a short trade. I'm not saying they're going back to the lows or anything like that. We don't even have to think about that. All I'm saying is, after this run, it's going to create a whopper of a short trade. That's all we need to know. I'll worry about the when and where. Who's going to benefit from that? Inside the numbers members. XLF, the financials. Down almost 1%, 22 cents. Catastrophic situation? Not so much. Makings of a reversal candle? Maybe. Not heavier volume than the previous two days. Not a real reversal candle. It's got the makings. We have to watch it. IWM was weak. Transports were weak. Two favorite market leading indicators. XLF is really put in that camp for the most part. It's a market leading indicator similar to Smash Mouth. So we're watching. Speaking of smash mouth, anything wrong with this market? What's going on here? Above all the moving averages, it looks very similar to the Qs. We really don't have to spend any more detail in this episode or this video on smash mouth. It looks like the Qs above all the moving averages, down one and a half or so percent today, two and a third bucks. Maybe it's projecting something. We'll see. Above all the moving averages, there's nothing you can say other than it was just a down day. Hey, If I told you how much I appreciate each and every one of you and that without you these videos are not possible, true and accurate information. This is a good place to pull the ripcord. It's everything I really needed to discuss tonight. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode 
of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app, and please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is common sense market analysis.